The Real Estate Sessions is brought to you by Relola. The Relola app helps agents leverage their local expertise. Create a beautiful interactive map of everything you love about your community, from businesses to listings to local features. Share it on Facebook and your website. And it's free for all realtors in 2018. Learn more at relola.com. There's a great book out there called Exponential Organizations, and I highly recommend it. Everybody read it. Uh, and some technologies and things uh, you need to own, and some of them you can lease. And, and, and when you read that book, that'll make that statement will make a lot more sense. But, like for instance, we're not going to we weren't going to go build our own CRM. Welcome to the Real Estate Sessions podcast where industry leaders share their stories and offer tips and advice for real estate professionals. Now your host, Bill Rissa of Fidelity National Title in Tampa, Florida. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 125. Wow, 125 of the Real Estate Sessions podcast. Thank you so much for uh, for finding us on the internet. Thank you for telling a friend. It's how we continue to grow and and really you know, it's this all started because of my passion, uh, my curiosity, really, about finding out where people come from and how did they get into this place, you know, we call real estate. And and my guest for episode 125 is going to be a lot of fun to talk to because his path and, and the, the, the way he, uh, he, he and his partner created what they've created here in Phoenix is going to be fun to explore. I'm talking about Kevin Kaufman of the 4610 Group, Keller Williams, Phoenix, here in, in, uh, in the Phoenix, Arizona area. Kevin, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Bill. Thanks a lot. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, it's been too long. I should have had you earlier. I think you're a native of Arizona. Am I right with that? Close enough. You know, I was uh, I was actually born in in Northern California originally, which uh, you know, which 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 leads to the Raiders thing, which which I know you we may end up <laughs> talking about later on. Um, but I've been in Arizona most of my life. I mean, I think I was five and a half when we moved. to grew up in Yuma. And, uh, and so I'm about as close to a native as we get here. There's a couple. I always like to say that there's, you know, there's a handful of, of natives around town, but not many. You, you mentioned Yuma and uh, I worked for the Padres when Yuma was still their spring training. This is going back quite a ways. And then they moved off to Peoria, which I'm sure wasn't very fun for fans in Yuma. But t- t- tell the listeners about Yuma, Arizona, because you're the first guest we've had on here that grew up there. Tell them what it is, where it is, why it's kind of cool. Awesome. I'm the first one from Yuma. That makes me so happy. So um, Yuma, let me let me tell you. So when I first moved to Phoenix in 1998, here's how I described to my friends where Yuma was, because they were always like, where are you from? What's and what's a Yuma criminal? What the heck is that? And so I always I would always tell them Yuma is that place. It's halfway between Phoenix and San Diego. And there is a big water tower and a McDonald's and it's halfway. And they would go, oh, I've been there a hundred times on my way to San Diego. And so obviously it's this really small town. It's grown quite a bit. When I moved there um, as a child, I think it was like the, there might have been 40,000 residents. Really small. Today there's probably a couple hundred thousand with another hundred thousand or so winter visitors. So it's grown quite a bit. But really small community, really farm-based community back in the day. Um, and it is just one of those great places to be from. Um, best Mexican food on the planet. It is literally kind of like in what I like to call the armpit of Arizona. So it's like, it's basically in the Arizona, California, and Mexico border. Um, and it really was, I say that jokingly, like it was a great place to grow up. I really love it. I, we actually sell real estate in Yuma now. Um, I, I consider, I still consider it really my hometown. 
Um, I've got a lot of good friends that are from there, but it's, it was a really small community as you could imagine. And my high school really was, our mascot really was the criminals. We were the Yuma high criminals, which is a whole other story, which we shouldn't take up any of your listeners time for that. But if they wanted to check it out, they should just go, go Google like best high school mascot in America. And no doubt the Yuma criminals have won that numerous times and it'll tell the whole story as to why they actually call them the Yuma criminals. All right. We'll leave that out there for them to go explore. I love that. You mentioned it a little bit in that opening. You you are an, a rabid Raiders fan. You're all, you have no problem talking about it. I grew up in San Diego. So, and believe it or not, when I was, I don't know, between eight and 12, I was a Raider fan, which upset my grandfather to no end. He was a season ticket holder for the San Diego Chargers. And every year he would take me to the Raider game. And the, the people in Plaza 42 would all be saying, Bob, why are you bringing that kid to the game? You know, <laughs> but, but then I they, they got rid of uh, Kenny Stabler and I, I never forgave them. And, uh, and I moved on and became a Charger fan. But talk about um, how happy are you right now? Are you happy or are you a little tweaked about that? I, I'm, I am. So, okay. So the move, so there's two things, right? First of all, I'm on cloud nine. The, the next best thing to winning the Super Bowl happened today. <laughs> and that was John Gruden being announced as the head coach. Like this has been my dream for the last 15 years for, for, I mean, this is like the prodigal son returning. Like I am so ecstatic. Every person who's like a part of Raider nation for the most part feels the same way. He left with this like unfinished business at the end, at the end of the old one season. And um, it like, it really hurt that he left. Like it genuinely has left like a void in the Raider nation. And the fact that he came back today and the, and the, uh, the news, the, the press conference was today. It was amazing. I, I basically stopped everything I was doing and watched, watched it for about 45 minutes. Um, I mean, it, it means that much to me. Like it, I wouldn't even let myself believe that the rumors were true until a couple days ago. Um, so I couldn't be happier with my team right now. And with the owner, um, uh, Mark Davis, who I, who I, I really actually really like the guy. Um, you know, but I think what you were getting to is the move to Vegas, right? Yeah. And that's, um, that's tough. I'm happy because it's closer to me. I'm going to get to see more than one game a year in person now. Right. Uh, and in fact, I'll try to, I'll try to get to see some tickets if at all possible. So that, you know, that's, there's a little bit, it's, it's a little bittersweet. It's, it's, it's sweet because it's close. And I think there's a real home there. And I, I think it's the place where they can thrive as an organization. Um, you know, California is really screwed up. I mean, I love that state. I love the beach. I go there as often as possible. It's got some problems like from, from a business perspective. And so I actually don't have much of a problem with them leaving. I understand it hurts the people in Oakland um, and, you know, the people that have been longtime fans. There's no doubt about that. And I think at the end of the day, they did what they really felt was best for the organization. Um, and I got to support that. Yeah. I'll tell you what, I hope a lot of people like you that are within distance will buy season tickets for the Raiders because it, it could turn quickly into a Charger situation or a Cardinal situation where, I mean, half the fans come to those games are going to be flying in from other places to have a, a boys weekend in, in Vegas and watch, you know, the Steelers or the Eagles play, you know, so. Yeah. The only thing no that's doubt. kind of scary, but I think, you know, you're going to get a big, brand new, beautiful stadium. It's going to be fun to watch. And I can't say good luck because, you know, okay, I'll say good luck. Good luck. I hope everything works out. And- <laughs> That's very cool. I'm glad you're so excited about it. That's awesome. Um, so let's talk. You're in high school in Yuma. Um, you know, what's, what's, what's young Kevin's dream job? And what were you thinking about doing when you got out of school? 
Gosh, you know, I don't know that the dream job happened, uh, came to my mind in high school. Um, I think in high school, I, I was really worried about just kind of having fun and being social. I just figured I'd land in business somewhere. Um, at some point, and I don't, I don't know where, really, when you say dream job, gosh, if I ever had a dream job, it'd be to be um, a general manager for for specifically the Los Angeles Dodgers, but for a for Major League Baseball team. Um, if I was going to really take a job, um, that would be the one, uh, would be to be a general manager. I've always had this thing for like the business side of sports. I love sports, um, but I've always looked at the business angle to it and really enjoyed the deal making of it and kind of the puzzle pieces that go with it. And so if I was to have a job, a dream job that there's no doubt it'd be general manager for a major league baseball team. Well, I, it seems to me that the things that you're doing now uh, 4610 group are kind of fitting into that that same that same vein of solving puzzles and and figuring out things and making deals work. So we're going to get there. But you you started off in the finance industry, right? That was uh, is that your career that was kind of before the real estate world? Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, it was. So I moved I moved to Phoenix as I mentioned, and I got a job. Actually, I got a I got a job in a credit for a credit card company that Bank One owned. And, um, it was, I mean, I was 20, lived on my own for the first time and I got a job as a collector and I started, uh, you know, I started on the phones and, and I eventually got an opportunity to work in this, a different department in one of the support departments through this program they had. And just, I don't know, I kind of felt like I had this run in my career early on where it was just dumb luck after dumb luck. And I just kept lucking my way into the next thing. Right to the next promotion and to the next raise. And so I, I really kind of parlayed that what was supposed to be a three-month part-time position into a full-time career that led me into different parts of the finance world. So I always worked for, um, you know, like banks in credit card departments or other departments, typically in their strategy side of collection. So for a while, I ran the, I ran the dialer and the strategy that went along with when and when and why to call people, uh, as well as the reporting aspects of that, uh, all sorts of different things, who to call, who to avoid calling to certain points. Like there was a lot that went into that and I got a quite a quite a bit of education doing that. So that's what I had done up until uh until I kind of quit, decided to get into real estate. Let's talk about that next. And and you uh you looking at your timeline. You become a realtor like right at the beginning of we'll call it the dark days. So talk talk okay. about you know what was that what was that moment or what was what was that trigger that got you to you know get that license and jump in? Yeah, you know, so at the time I was going, I was I had um, I had actually turned down. A, I was at GE at the time. GE bought the company that I was working for, and um, I had turned down a promotion because I, I was going back to school. I'd gone back to school and I just said, you know, what I told myself is that I needed to work for myself. I just didn't know what I wanted to do. And so until I could figure that out, I was going to go to college because I had not finished it uh, out of high school and uh, I was going to figure it out. So I started going back and um, I, I ran into this professor uh, who came in one day and said, hey, we're going to talk about money. And we're not going to talk about whatever's on the syllabus. We're going to talk about money. We're going to talk about real estate. And he just did this whole lesson, this like 50-minute lesson on money and wealth and real estate. And what I find out is this guy really, if you've ever read the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which most people have in our industry, 
um, he's living that life. And he actually, he really just teaches a couple classes every semester so says give back to, to the community. And so he kind of, honestly, that was the first time I, somebody said something, I was like, oh my God, I have to, I have to know more. And um, I took him to, I, I basically begged and pleaded with him to go have coffee with me. And he agreed to, and we met, and he, he, in a way, became my first mentor. And not in a way, he did. He became my first mentor. And um, for the next four semesters in a row, I want to say, if he taught a class, which he did, I took it. It didn't matter. It could have been, it could have been uh, knitting 101. It didn't matter. I was taking the class if he was teaching it. And um, so I did that, and I kind of had realized that I needed to keep working. Um, I wanted to be in in and around real estate, and I wanted to try to find a way to build wealth uh, through real estate. And eventually, it just got to the point where, um, well, all my, although timing, most people would say, wasn't very good, I, I could I could no longer go to work for somebody else. I could no longer go to work for this major corporation. Um, and I just said to myself, you know, if if you're going to work, you might as well just work in real estate. You want to be in real estate anyways, and so. I, I literally quit my job and got a real estate license in, in the middle of early, mid to early 2007, mm. which um, in Phoenix had some of my friends scared uh, and literally trying to stop me from doing it. And so, but that was, that was what I did. I decided to jump in there. I just, it was one of those things I can't really, Bill, I can't really tell you what it was, why I did it. I just couldn't not do it, if that makes sense. No, that's great. I love that. Um, I mean, that's passion. And that's going to play out through the rest of this conversation, uh, as, as the listeners will soon hear. But what was that first year like? Did you start right away with Keller Williams? I did. You know, it's funny. I'm not one guy to, I'm not a guy to overanalyze decisions. Uh, I'm very much a ready, fire, aim, and then make adjustments type of guy. But for some reason, I must have interviewed nine or 10 different brokers. And including my now business partner, Fred, at the time he was with Century 21. And I met, went and met with his broker uh, because he just respected the actual designated broker so much. Um, and then I went and met with the Keller Williams office. And, and what, they, what they told me about their, um, their belief systems was just so in line with where I was at in my life that I just, I kind of, I was like, okay, I'm done. And this is obviously where I'm going. And so, yeah, I signed up at a Keller Williams um, and have been with them uh, to this day. But you're solo the first year before you really connect with Fred. So um, talk about that, what that, how that first year go with you and in, in, in this new, into this new career, you know, as a, as a really a young entrepreneur trying to, you know, do your thing. Well, I mean, you know, it goes as planned as you, as you can imagine. I, I, uh, I didn't have any I joke, like I, you know, I always joke because I had $10,000 saved up. And I was like, well, I'm good, right? I literally had my best friend waiting to buy a house for me to get, a, waiting for me to get a license before he bought a house. Um, yet, you know, it still doesn't always go as planned. But I, I, I did. I, I sold a few houses. I did okay. I must have sold six or seven houses there that first half a year in real estate uh, in 2007, which was okay. Um, but actually mine and Fred's paths crossed probably on my third transaction, uh, cause he needed help with something cause he was, he was getting married and was going to be on his honeymoon. And he, I always like to joke around. He suckered me into helping him with the short sale. <laughs> and at the time, 
We really didn't know what short sales were. Um, it, to, truth be told, Bill, we, we, this is a real conversation we had. We didn't even know if we could get paid for doing that. And so my third transaction ever was a short sale. It was actually a listing of Fred's that I just co-listed with him and I handled it. In a few months later, we found ourselves working together. But yeah, that first few months, it was it was hard. It, I mean, definitely was. I mean, the first year was hard. I mean, even once we started working together, um, you know, going to early 2008, and our business seems like it's blowing up overnight. You know, we probably went from 11 or so, 11 or 12 combined listings the day we started working together, February 2nd or whatever it was of 2008. Um, we probably had 50 listings within 90 days. I mean, it was, it grew pretty fast and pretty big, but back then, you know, short sales, you, you were lucky if, if they closed in, in nine months from the time you started consulting with the seller. Um, and oftentimes it was longer. So it was a really slow burn. And so that was, it, even though it looked successful, if you will, on the outside, it very much was not uh, producing any income, which, you know, tends to make things difficult. Let's talk about Group 4610, the name, um, your, you and Fred's partnership, which continues to this day, uh, and, and talk about how the systems you guys created for short sales. I mean, it, it, uh, um, you and I were talking earlier, and, and I was you know, at Chicago Title at the time in Phoenix, and I was seeing flyers and things for your classes all over the place. So talk about that. Yeah, you know, it's funny. So we, so we started working together really out of from a sink, we needed to help each other. So we were both doing short sales, uh, both working from home, both uh, actually employing Fred's brother for a part-time to do some of our, um, you know, kind of assistant type work with inputting stuff into MLS, going to home, going to listings and measuring rooms and stuff like that. So we were both employing him to do, so we just decided like, maybe we should just sit together in the same office and, uh, and share an office, share the expense of his brother full-time, and see what we can create, see if we can create some momentum together. And, um, you know, we decided to uh, reward each other slightly, uh, you know, financially on any of our listings. So if I brought in a listing, um, you know, I paid Fred a little bit of the commission and and vice versa. And what we found is um, within a month or so, we found ourselves teaching classes. And the true story is that class happened because I went to a a class at at the brokerage uh, on short sales. And I'll never forget this, uh, Bill. This was a very well-respected, uh, CE teacher. So I won't say his name because he still teaches today, but he, um, his opening class for this, this, this room was full. I mean, there was, there was room for 40 people comfortably and there must've been 65 people in this classroom. And it was on short sales. It was February, 2008. And the first thing he says is don't do short sales. They're bad for your business. (laughs) And I was like, what? Uh, what? And so I proceeded for the next three hours to be that guy that raised his hand every five minutes and essentially said something opposite and contrary to what the teacher was saying. Oh. Because he was just, this guy was like saying stuff that he thought was true, like maybe from his RTC days, I don't know. <laughs> but it was so off and so bad but I just was the guy and I was like, man, these people must hate me right now. Cause I just kept raising my hand and I just kept disputing what he said. And I, I kept going, well, that's not really how it happens. Cause here I am, like I'm actually in the trenches negotiating short sales. I've closed a few, I've got, you know, another 15 or 20, I'm actively negotiating. And I know that nothing he says is true, but he doesn't. And so that, I, I remember I went back to the office that day and I told Fred, 
And I told our buddy, Mark, I was like, guys, this is crap. I just went to this class and I, I told them all about this experience. Like we have to teach, we have to tell people that's not really what happens. And so we ended up writing a, a class that, uh, um, we, you know, we changed the title to every week or every time, we, every time we taught it. The first one was called, um, March Madness, Dick Vitale's Guide to Short Sales. <laughs> and we taught that in March of 2008 and then basically taught every two weeks after that. Going through that process, I'm guessing you, you met a ton of realtors and, and some would embrace what you were telling them and some probably didn't. Is that probably a correct answer? Yeah, to say the least, you know, I think there was a lot of people who, you know, what we found is we found that um, almost everybody was thankful that we were willing to share. Very few people actually took the information and did something with it. For those that did to this day, I'm not exaggerating to this day, I get, Facebook messages or emails or I run into people at events where people thank me and they tell us, they tell me, you know, and this is not me too to my own horn. I'm just telling you how deep this ran back then of people going, thank you. You really helped save and change my business. Um, I probably wouldn't be in the business if, if you hadn't taught us what you were doing because they were such just like myth, mythical thing. And there's these guys running around going, don't do them. They're bad for you. And they're giving out all this bad information. And here we are for free not even, you know, not charging anybody anything, just telling people, no, you can actually do this and here's how you do it. Or at least here's how we're doing it and it's working for us. So try this. And so we met our, you know, we met, definitely met our fair share of people who thought, you know, whatever, that's not true. Um, but to be honest with you, most, most of the things came from it were super positive. Um, there's been a ton of doors open to me and a ton of relationships that I still haven't taken advantage of to this day. That quite frankly, I only have because we were giving away that information back in the day. I mean, I think about, remember, you know, Russell and Wendy Shaw. Sure. Um, I think about my relationship with them to this day. It's, it was only because we were teaching the classes. And, and I, I, I could call either one of them right now, I firmly believe, and, and have calling a favor right now only because of that time I taught them in 2008, like the class that, they, that we basically did for this group they were in. The, the genesis of this group starts in the days of the short sale, but boy, it has, I just got to say, it's blown mm -hmm. up. I mean, there's some crazy stuff that you're doing. Um, you know, you, you, in fact, I think in the early teens, you end up purchasing the KW franchise you were working for, right? Yeah. So I had a, um, so I, early on, I feel like maybe it was 2009. I had the opportunity to buy a small percentage, maybe like 10 or 12%. So I bought it. Um, I just thought, you know, it'd be nice, you know, nice little passive uh, investment here. Let's do that. And, and to be honest, you fast forward a few years into 2013, um, tons of mistakes going on and Group 4610 is growing, 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 and then starts falling apart. Um, and Fred and I have to rebuild it. But on the side, our brokerage is falling apart. I mean, it is, we are down to like 70 agents in the total, in the whole brokerage. And, um, one of the people who also owned a small percentage of that brokerage, because I had called them and said, hey, there's 10% of this brokerage available. I think you should buy it just in case, was Brian Gubernick. And uh, Brian and, and we, myself and Brian and Fred have just been close through the years because Brian obviously specialized in short sales to the level that we did. And so we were always very close and sharing information and helping each other. And we taught a lot of classes together and things like that. And so, so Brian had purchased like 10% as well uh, a few years back. 
And we, it was to the point where something had to happen and something different radically had to be radically different. And so Brian and I just said to the current ownership group, um, Hey, listen, either you guys got to, got to sell to us or we got to sell to you because this isn't working. And uh, so they graciously stepped aside. They sold us their shares and Brian and I took over and started rebuilding that brokerage um, in early 2013. I, it's funny. We actually took over on April 1st, 2013, April 4th on us. Nice. And, um, it was tough and I'll tell you, it wasn't, you know, the thing was the reason why we did it, the re- well, let me tell you my reasons. I'm going to tell you Brian's reasons because his reasons are probably different than mine. Uh, one reason I know was for sure uh, that we had in common. We both felt the need and a, and a strong desire to bring, uh, I'm just going to say it, a real Keller Williams to the Phoenix area. Um, and what I mean by that is when you travel around and teach and speak in different cities, especially when you're hosted by Keller Williams, there's a, it's a franchise system, right? And so it feels different everywhere you go. And we always felt as if there wasn't that true, genuine KW model being run anywhere in the greater Phoenix area. No disrespect to any of the guys and gals that have brokerages and, 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 um, and, uh, and, you know, franchises. But the reality was is we just didn't feel like they were running it to the model and didn't feel like what we really knew Keller Williams to be. And so our first, our first and foremost goal was to, was to bring real Keller Williams to, to Phoenix. That was our first goal. Mine was, another one for me is I wanted to have some fun because that brokerage had become stale and it wasn't fun to be there anymore. And so I wanted to have a little bit of fun doing it. Uh, and I you know, figured we could make some money while we're at it. And um, so we did, we bought that, we bought that franchise in 2013 and, and went to work on it and quickly, fairly quickly turned it around. I mean, within, uh, within two years, that franchise is up over 300 plus agents and had some of the, the top producing agents in the entire Phoenix area in that brokerage. And I think we, we did, we did a good job there, I think. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, it was fun to watch that. I mean, from, you know, being over in the title side and, and just hearing you know what was happening was, that was amazing. And so. But but your real love and your real focus is gonna go is gonna go back to what you and Fred have created with Group Forty Six Ten and and so right around this time isn't this kind of when you decide and and I, I don't know it, was it a was Ben Kinney like someone that you modeled this stuff after because I know he he reached out to other you know market centers but talk about creating the Group Forty Six Ten Real Estate Network and how that I mean really the that that sounds like an incredible amount of work to try and have these remote. Um, you know, operations going. I just, for me, it just seems. Yeah. Like, talk about that. So, you know, we knew we needed a change in our business. Uh, you know, after short sales went away, things got a little stale. We had to kind of rebuild our business, and then we had to decide what kind of what kind of model we wanted to run. And we knew we needed a change. And so, Ben has just been a guy who's always been a friend. He's always been available uh, and, and willing to help us out. And so, I can remember sitting down with Ben. Actually, we went and spent a few days, stayed at Ben's house, uh, spent time in his office for three, four days in a row, and just kind of got a lot of mentorship on our on our team. And at the time, we were considering um, expanding our business, number one, changing our sales model in the Phoenix area, but number two, we had this opportunity in Denver with, uh, with our now partner, what we would call our regional leader in Denver. And so we kind of went up and spent a few days with Ben to just kind of get some coaching and some guidance. Uh, it's always kind of cool when you're when you when your friend when your mentors are also your friend and they're willing to let you spend the night at their house and kind of teach you things. 
Um, and so Ben, Ben was, you know, was gracious enough to, to help us out and kind of coach us through quite a few things. And I can remember sitting down with Brett Tanner, uh, who is one of our partners in the brokerage at the time too, and talking about sales models. And really he helped me a ton, you know, Fred and I a ton in, in kind of discovering what our new model was going to be. And, um, so we ultimately came back and changed our sales model to where, you know, away from what I would call the MRA or the millionaire real estate agent model and more towards what I would call a sales agent model, where we started teaching our agents how to take listings as well as work with buyers. And we started changing what our support looked like in our office and what our transaction and our administrative support looked like. We started providing more and more services and, and kind of simultaneously we start working in Denver, September 1st of 2014. We launched into Denver with, with this gentleman by the name of Aaron Lobovic. Uh, and we started a sales team there too. And so we then learned a, a lot of things, um, you know, because we really knew nothing at the time. And so we ended up, uh, launching the team there and, uh, starting to really stub our toes because we're, we're growing. Our, our, our operation at home is growing as well as we've got this guy in Denver who's really good, even though he's never sold real estate before, he's killing it. Um, I mean, in 2015, his first full year in real estate, he sold, we sold 105 houses, 72 of those he, he did personally. And you know, the other 35 or whatever, 37 were, were done on, uh, were, were just done through team members. And he probably helped with a lot of those too. Right. So here we are, we're, we're trying to operate in two different states. Uh, and we're, we're busting at the seams and really, really drowning ourselves in our own success at the time. How do you continue to grow though? Cause you're, you're in more than two States now, right? Yeah. Well, uh, so we're now in a total of set, total of seven as of today. Um, and really what we start to do is we start to realize, okay, we're onto something here. Um, we end up in Nashville a few months later or, or kind of mid 15, uh, because we have a former team member who was our listing agent in the short sale days here in Phoenix. Her, her and her husband are now living in Nashville. And um, all of a sudden, she wants to get back into real estate sales. And so we just thought, hey, we're geniuses. We've got this expansion thing figured out because we're killing it in Denver. Uh, we're, we're, and we are definitely not geniuses. Um, <laughs> and and we want to be in business with you anyways. We never wanted to not be in business with you. So we launched into Nashville kind of mid, mid, middle of 2015. So that's kind of that's how that develops. And, and we still really don't know what we're doing. We're just selling real estate in three different cities at this time. It wasn't until the end of 2015 to where we really started to realize, okay, we've got, a, we've got something here and we can, we can make it really grow. And, uh, and the reason why we got there is we have this guy in Denver, Aaron, who was just killing it you know 72 transactions personally 105 his first year in real estate i mean we're, we sell 30 million dollars of real estate in a state that we're not even in but he's going well what's my next opportunity i want to kind of figure out what i want to do i certainly don't want to be hustling 72 houses a year just to make this kind of money and uh at the same time we've got a guy here locally who is kind of pushing us as well and he wants more of an opportunity and so we transition these guys towards the end of 2015 first into what we would call a team leader to where they're in a little bit in production, but also now they're starting to have some leadership responsibilities with the people uh, who are around them. And this is the first time Fred and I give up control 
uh, of our sales team here in the Phoenix area. And we go, okay, we're going to really focus on this. And we start looking at Vegas heavily as, as our next expansion location. And we ultimately hire somebody there too. And this is where we develop kind of our regional, um, our regional model where we've got these guys who aren't selling, they're not in production at all. And they're really more in a recruiting and coaching role for the company. And that's, that's a hundred percent what they do. And so we started to regionalize and um, that's how we've, you know, been able to grow into other states wow. and into other cities within the state. So, you know, in Arizona, we sell real estate in Phoenix and Tucson and Yuma and in Colorado, you know, Denver and Littleton and Colorado Springs and, um, you know, in other places as well. So that's, that was kind of how it started to grow. And that forced us to go, okay, we really got to be really clear on what the value is we're providing and to, to the agents that join our, our now we've, I don't know at what point we decided we're a network and we're not a team. I think it's because you start running into problems you don't really have when you're just in a local place because different MLSs don't like your team name and different, uh, you know, Department of Real Estate rules and things like that in every state. And so we, we ultimately become this network. And truthfully, we start to view our company as like a platform for real estate agents. Really, it's all is what it is. And uh, it's, it's a platform for agents to work on and, and succeed, succeed through. It's a platform for obviously for leads. But more so, it's a platform for training and for coaching and development, and it's heavy, heavy administrative support. And we start to, you know, what what I haven't told you yet is while we're expanding to Colorado and we're expanding to Nashville, we're getting people like we're getting transaction coordinators licensed in those states, and they're actually handling all of the contract to close work and all the listing work there, just like they are for our agents in the Phoenix area. And so we're really providing a high level of service. And so we become this, this whole administrative platform as well for our agents. And it, we just kind of developed from that. And it's just become, you know, now it's constantly, how can we add to that? How can we add to that? Right. Yeah. What's the support that we can bring to our agents to help them sell more houses and live a better life? You, you mentioned you know, lead generation uh, and the other parts of the network for those they're listening. I can hear them yelling at me to ask this question. What are what are some of the tools that are part of your process? Well, there's a little bit of both because I'm a big believer. Uh, there's a great book out there called Exponential Organizations, and I highly recommend it. Everybody read it. Uh, and some technologies and things uh, you need to own, and some of them you can lease. And, and when you read that book, that'll make that statement will make a lot more sense. But like for instance, we're not going to we weren't going to go build our own CRM. So we we happen to like Broomtown. Uh, we use, we, we are a very happy and satisfied customer of Boomtown. And so we use, we use Boomtown in every city that we're in. Um, and we've got all of our Boomtowns locked, uh, linked together. They're under one account. It's really great. Um, you know, it's not, it's about as optimal as you can be when you're running in, in more than one city and state. So we've got all of our Boomtown platforms linked together. Part of our lead gen budget is through Boomtown. So we, in every single location, we have a certain a certain budget that they can run ads through Facebook and, and through Google uh, AdWords, et cetera, to generate leads. So that's that's one part of our lead gen uh, side of things. And then there's there's just other internet uh, prov- lead providers. Um, I like to call them bulk lead distributors, but companies like Z Buyer, if you've ever heard of them, or 
um, Quazu or Homegain. There's a lot of different places you can go buy leads, right? Um, when I say internet leads, I mean, internet leads are, that's a big bucket and a lot of different things can be described as an internet lead. Um, but really our business comes from internet leads and referrals and referrals. When I say referrals, I mean either agent to agent referrals or a relationship with an, with a company that has a referral, say like an agent pronto or a referral exchange, uh, or through our database, like our past clients, our referrals, our referral business from our sphere of influence. And so we've got systems around all that to bring in to bring in business as well. So that's kind of our lead gen side, and a lot of that's changing uh, with the you know as you know uh, we just recently um, brought on a director of marketing who is in charge of all things marketing and lead generation wise, which I believe will change our strategy greatly. Um, I don't think that we have a great lead gen strategy now. I think we have one that that works. Um, you know, as you're growing, and we're 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 about a hundred agents right now nationwide, in in our company. And when you're focused on growing that fast, you your eyes going to come off other balls, right? And yeah. so part of that is the lead gen strategy. It's just it's not bad. It's just not optimal. And um, so that's part of you know Chelsea's undertaking is to come in and and really optimize that as well. And so that's that's what I mean on the lead gen side. Boomtown is our, is our CRM, which we love. Our administrative and transaction team only. Uh, our agents do not have access to it. Work off of a system called RealVol, mm -hmm. which is a kind of a process management tool for them. Uh, we use that. And then the rest of our technology is like it's built internally. We've actually got a team um, of a couple, two, two junior software developers and one senior software developer on staff. And we have what we call an app which is everything from appointments that our agents set with buyers and sellers to all of the transactional data uh, of our business. So literally everything that ever becomes a transaction um, goes through this app. It's a database, it's a SQL database with, uh, with the front end to be able to see reports and see different things. Uh, and it's got different tools for our, for our agents and uh, different features like leaderboards and a place for them to enter there. Um, appointments and then reporting um, reporting features and functions for us as well oh. as well and just different things too like building flyers and things like that all the different little technology pieces that we build all sort of live in this app and it's uh, it's it's pretty cool I, I'm pretty proud of what we've built so far uh, and I think it, well I think it's got a long way to go I'm pretty I'm pretty happy with what we have so you said Chelsea, that, would that be Chelsea Pites, just recently a Fidelity National title in Phoenix, Arizona? <laughs> it is, yes. Yeah. Uh, she, she, so most people know her in the author, uh, as well as an author, you know, talking in pictures from her book that she just had published a few months ago. Yep. Um, Chelsea has come on board with us as our director of marketing and is in charge of literally all things marketing group 4610. So as you can imagine, that's a big initiative because we've got things as big as branding and storytelling for the whole company, yeah. as well as how do, how do we help our agents? Uh, again, we're a platform. I really view us as a platform. And so how do we help our agents get more from their sphere, get more from their social presence uh, through, through our efforts here at, at what we call the hub? That's you know, what, what are the, what are the tools we can provide? What are the services we can provide for them? 
And that's really, uh, that's Chelsea's uh, baby. She's taking that ball and running with it. So that frees up you and Fred to think about the future. What's next? What's out there on the horizon if you had this crystal ball? Good question. Um, man, my, my crystal ball broke last week when I was, when I was throwing it around in the backyard. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's funny. I think that our, our industry is changing a lot, Bill. Um, there's no doubt about that. There's a lot of technology, a lot of money coming in at it. Um, and so I, to be honest with you, I don't know what, I don't know what's coming in five years. I can tell you what I think is true. And, uh, and that, that's probably going to all be wrong. But what I think is true is I think we're going to continue to be squeezed, um, by technology companies. I think that it doesn't mean that we can't run a really amazing business. I think what it means is we're going to have to adapt and stay on our toes. And I think that some people though are going to get squeezed out. I'll, I'll tell you, this is not like a, not me trying to scare people into being recruited. I really, I really feel bad for like the solo agent. I, I think that their days are, are very numbered. Um, the people that don't have a lot of resources along with them that are, that are currently able to maybe sell more than what I think is going to be available to them in a couple of years from now. And I think it's the, I think what's going to happen, um, is technology is just going to continue to play a bigger, bigger piece. And those of us that, that um, adapt with the technology and embrace it and use it for what we can are going to be uh, the ones who are able to survive at least a little bit longer. Um, but the truth is, I don't, I don't know. Um, I, I, the only thing I really believe is that technology is coming. Uh, some of it's trying to hurt us. Some of it's trying to help us. Luckily, there's some really good people out there. Uh, you know, your company for one. I can tell you right now, like to me, from the outside, it looks like they are making moves on the technology side of the world to protect the real estate agent, which I really like. Obviously, I'm, I've got a vested interest in that. Um, but that's what it appears to me on the outside. And I think that um, that there's going to be, you know, I think what we're going to see ultimately is going to be a lot of attrition in our industry. You know, maybe there's like what 1.1, 1.2 um, actual realtors. In, in the United States right now, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see that number cut in half over the next five to seven years. Wow, that's that's going to do that. That creates a lot of um, interesting scenarios and situations with uh, local boards and MLSs, and yeah, so that 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 all is going to trickle into what you're what not 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 an Armageddon, but a definitely restructuring of what we see today when we look at uh, the world of um, you know, the realtor world, I guess. Well, it's going to force that. I mean, let's face it. Uh, they're all, that's all, that's all stuff that, that's built off of dues, right? Right. Due paying members. Yep. And, um, and so, yeah, that's They're going to have to, to adapt and adjust too. Guess what? So does the local grocery store because Amazon's coming for them too. Right. And so, you know, it's kind of the same thing. It's like, yeah, you know, I could sit around and feel bad because my industry and now I'm the one under, under attack or I can go, you know what? No, I'm going to adjust. And, and I hope the people at, uh, at, you know, National Association of Realtors and, 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 and all the other state boards, I hope they get their act together and quit acting like it's 1985. Um, I don't know that, that, that all of them will, but I do know it's going to take a massive change in leadership uh, to be able to get there to survive in kind of the new world a few years from now, because there won't be the membership numbers that there are today. And uh, that's going to cause, that's going to cause some pain for those that don't adapt. And, I, I sincerely hope that they do and figure out a way, but it's either way, it's, you know, it's coming and I don't think there's a whole lot anybody can do to, to stop it. 
Kevin, I've had you here way over what I asked of you. So let me let me wrap up with the same question I've asked the previous 124 guests. It's the same question. So if you could give one piece of advice to a new agent just getting started in the business today, what would it be? One piece of advice to a new agent. Man, one one piece of advice. Brand new agent today, get, just getting in. Yep. My goodness. So let's, man, that, that is, that is uh, you know, I got to be honest. If I could, I, I would say, I would say find a, find a mentor right away. I don't think I've ever given this answer before for anything remotely to this. But the truth is, because things are changing so much, I would probably say find a mentor who is relevant. And I, I, I mean, and I just mean from a business perspective, who who is adapting and changing with with the industry, and, and listen to what that person says. Like, um, you know, I think my mentors in this business have done so much for me that had I not come across them, I don't, I don't know what would have happened. And so, I guess that's the advice I would give: is, is find a mentor quickly. I think there's, and I could probably go on and on and give you another couple of hours worth of answers because I feel like. There's so much bad information out there for realtors these days, um, especially new ones. But I think that if I have to go with one thing, that, that's going to be it. Well, I'll tell you what, what. If someone wants to reach out to you and get the rest of those answers, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Best way uh, directly would be through email at realestate at group4610.com. Uh, and the other one, which I would actually appreciate it, uh, more so, is if they reached out via the Facebook group that Fred and I, as well as our buddy Cody Gibson run together called Real Estate Agents Who Want Real Results. I know what you're thinking, that is very easy to remember and easy to say. Uh, so I'll say it one more time, Real Estate Agents Who Want Real Results. I know it's a mouthful, I just couldn't think of anything snappier the day of that I created that group. Um, but there's a lot of kind of quote unquote secret sharing in that group. A lot of people share documents and best practices. It's a very free-flowing group, and I would I would recommend people join that. And um, they, I bet they'd get a ton of value out of it. I'm actually a member myself, and you're absolutely right. It's it's very cool to see the the peer-to-peer kind of sharing and work that's going on there. So congratulations on that as well. But but Kevin, I can't thank you enough. This has been great. I, there, there might have to be a part two down the road, you know, because we really there's so much more we could talk about. But, but for the meantime, I thank you so much for, for sharing your story here uh, on the Real Estate Sessions. Yeah, man, happy to. I'm so happy uh, and would love to do a second part if that, if that opportunity ever arises. I appreciate uh, you doing this and, and having me on, Bill, really. Thank you very much.